Wow. Worshiping together. Hey, Sam, can, come on down here for a second, will you? <laughs> you know, there is a passage of Scripture, Sam, and you probably have heard it. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But it, the, that passage of Scripture goes like this. There is not yet born a generation who will sing new praises and worship me in new ways. And every generation, Sam, and by the way, for those of you that don't know Sam, Sam has blessed us off and on. Um, Elliot, thank you, brother, for bringing Sam with us today. But Sam is open to ministry, and this is part of that ministry. And we are so thankful that God has brought him here today. Sam, hey, man, you're that new generation. You know, the, the words of the songs, maybe you didn't write, but the way you sang it is you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Wow. The blessings. Hey, before I begin today, you all ought to know this. You know, we are a very, very fortunate church in that we have Pastor Will as our pastor. Would you agree? That brother has been blessed in, oh, I'm getting a ring up here. You got it? Oh, still got it. Bring me down a little. But anyway, um, we are very, very fortunate to have Pastor Will as our pastor. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit later in my message about that, how important it is that God has blessed us with his ministry here. Secondly, we have Josh White. Now, for those of you who have not experienced uh, Josh's preaching, let me tell you what, you're in for a treat next Sunday because he's going to be coming and he's going to be sharing the word with us. And I, over the years, have had the opportunity to sit under many ministries, many pastors, and my life and my walk with the Lord has been greatly blessed by men and women who have shared the word of God and changed my life. And this morning, the message that God laid upon my heart to bring to you is a very personal one because, as many of you know, I didn't grow up in the church. I found the Lord, thank goodness, when I went to college, uh, May 7th, 1971. But Rick would say, no, you found the Lord 2,000 years ago when he came on this earth. And But anyway... He came into my life, but my walk with God has been a very special walk because God has brought men and women into my lives, into, into my life that has greatly enhanced my life and my walk with Jesus Christ. But I want to talk to you this morning about gaining the eternal prize set before us. Now, for those of you that may not know this, um, about in, in my late 40s, God called me into a different type of ministry. My wife and I were uh, pastors, we were youth pastors, and then he took us in on the mission field and then home missions, and he took us up to Canada, brought us to Phoenix. That's quite an extreme, by the way, from Canada to Phoenix. But anyway, God has just really blessed our lives in relation to his leading our lives. And yet, 
my life in Christ has not been dependent on me alone. It's been by men and women that God has brought into my life that has really enhanced my walk with him. And this morning, I want to share some scriptures. If you like taking notes, uh, I want to encourage you to do so because this is going to be a walkthrough process in relation to gaining the eternal prize that has been set before us. And I want to start off with a passage of scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. I'm going to be kind of all over the New Testament a little bit today, so just kind of hang with me. You don't have to write scripture down, you just write or the, the verse down, you can write the scripture down. But this is what 1 Corinthians 9:24 says. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Now, this is what I want to share with you in relation to beginning about reaching that eternal prize that Jesus Christ, that God himself has set before us. We realize that everyone runs. When God called me out of full-time pastorate and put me into the high school system, I began to coach track and field. Now, the great part about coaching track and field, unlike some other sports like baseball or basketball, or football, where you have athletes that make the team, but where do they sit on the bench while others play? In track and field, and this is kind of where Paul comes from, and he talks about running the race, he says, everyone gets to participate. So let me begin by saying this. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, From the moment he became the Lord of your life, you began to train to run. To run that walk with Jesus Christ. And that's really what I want to talk with you about is how important it is for you to understand that it takes discipline to run any race. Now help me out here. If you are into sports, be it running or football or whatever sport you're in, if, it be, if it's volleyball, you know, when you take that dive to, to, to get that ball, you end up on the floor. What does being an athlete entail? What? Training. Training. What else? Practice. Practice. Stamina. What, what else? Strategy? That's it. Bumps and bruises. Bumps and bruises. I remember my oldest son playing football in Kingman, and he got a stinger. I don't know if you know what a stinger is, but he got a stinger playing in that game, and his his right or left arm just was gone. I mean, he, he was in pain, but he didn't want to come out of the game. But he did, but he got back in in the second half. But my point being is, if you know anything about being an athlete 
you know that it involves training, but it also involves inflicting pain. I can't think of a sport that that doesn't happen. If you're a baseball player, how many, I'm looking here, but think about being uh, the batter and getting hit with, with the ball. If you watch YouTube at all, you know, you can, they have that every once in a while in Major League Basketball, baseball, a, a pitch coming in at 95 miles an hour and hitting your helmet. And I mean, it, it inflicts pain. You, you have to be willing to accept that if you're going to be involved in sports. And it involves discipline and training. So as, as we see this, we know that all athletes in any sport want to strive toward a prize. Now, we have to be careful here because in the world, it seems like you can only have one winner. That's why so many people watch the Super Bowl, because that one team is going to win that year's Super Bowl. Or if you're a track person, whether you run hurdles or you run the 100 meters or the 400 meter, 800, you know there's only going to be one winner. And Paul lets us know that out of that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when he says, you strive to win, run to win the prize, but know this, that prize is temporary. You win it, you get recognized for it, but I guarantee you, in just a few short weeks, people have already forgotten about it. But you and I run for a different reason. We run to win an eternal prize. A second verse I want to share with you is out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2a. Now, I, I kind of skipped around translations here because I was saying, okay, Lord, lead me to that passage that really says what you want people to hear. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion initiates and perfects our faith. Now, there are three things that I want to share with you about this passage of Scripture. The first is this. I think, especially if you're a young girl, if you're a young guy, you know, you're watching sports and you want to participate. But the first thing you come to realize, if you want to participate in any particular sport, you need to do that initial training. So for lack of trying to find an illustration here, I want to talk to you about distance running. So anything from a 1,600 meter, which is almost a mile, to a 5K, which is 3, 10K, you know, what I want to share with you is this. If you really want to begin to become an athlete, it takes self, and I mean that, self-discipline. How many people, you're driving, of us, you're driving down the road and you see somebody jogging? Or how many of us, 
uh, go on a hike. And we're hiking, and we get passed by somebody who's jogging the, the trail. Or, uh, you know, anything that you see. I, I know we have young kids here that are playing uh, softball or baseball or what have you. If they really want to do that, it, it requires of them self-training, which is important in any sport. In our walk with Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of our lives, we begin to explore that self-desire to know him. We're not satisfied with just walking around saying, hey, I became a Christian. I remember for myself that after I became a Christian, I kind of was lost for a while until one day I enrolled in a class called Introduction to the New Testament in college, and it changed everything for me because then I began to discover the Word of God. I know that sounds kind of strange in a way because you think all Christians are going to jump right into the Word of God. But for me, it's like I had never read the Bible, you know, and uh, when I became a Christian, I, was kind of, I went through that kind of lost period like, okay, what happens next? But when I enrolled in that class, Professor Hall, who was teaching that class, got me into the Word of God. And for the first time, I really began to read it. So I began to self-train, but I soon discovered that wasn't good enough. I still seemed to stumble in my Christian walk. It's like I, I couldn't do what I knew God wanted me to do, and I needed something more. And that something more came with this thought in mind, train with others. I discovered that the ability to train with others affected my ability to walk with Christ in an even greater way. In other words, I realized early on I couldn't do it by myself. I needed others. Now, something happened to me as a coach. I was uh, coaching at Arizona Christian University down in the valley. It was called Southwestern College at that time. But they asked me if I would help start a cross-country program at that college. And one of the schools we ran against was the University of California, San Marcos. And I, I didn't know any of the coaches at that time, but I, we went there. And we went a day early. We went to check out the course, you know, for my athletes to know where to run. But I met the head coach of the cross-country team. And it was really interesting because he was an Olympian. However, he was an Olympian that didn't get to compete in the Olympics because Russia had invaded Afghanistan and the United States boycotted the Olympics in Russia that year and he wasn't able to run. Really interesting guy. I, anyway, I had a chance to pick his brain a little bit, and I talked to him about how he uses his athletes to help his other athletes. Because you see, in a race, only one person can win, correct? However, in cross country, it's the top five runners that count. So how do you get your top 
five runners to be very competitive. And the thing he shared with me stuck with me for a long, long time, and that was I take my top runners during practice and I team them up with one of the, my slower runners and I have them work together to push them. Now, in high school, I ran the 440, 440 yards, and I'll never forget uh, uh, Dave and Reggie and uh, Joe Johnson and myself, and Coach Gilbert would say, okay, guys, I want you to do a number of 220s, 200-meter runs, and we would do that. We'd run a 200, walk a 200, run a 200, walk a 200. But the faster guys that were those 400 runners really pushed me. They made me a better runner. They, I was able to get my time down much better because I ran with them. So what does that say to us about Christians? When Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of our life, number one is you begin to self-train. But you soon discover that in the world, things get tough. So you learn, hopefully, that you can train or you can walk with other believers. In other words, you know, and I, I do this Wednesday night game night here at the church. If you're not a part of that, please come join us. But the scripture I love the most is out of Hebrews. Do not fail to meet together that has become the habit of some, but encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds. So... As a believer, I fortunately discovered that, hey, I don't have to walk this life with Jesus alone. And I began to surround myself with others that, would, that I could walk with that would encourage me and build me up and, and answer a lot of the questions that I didn't know the answer to. And so I walked into a deeper walk with Jesus because of that. But there is a third aspect of how we endure and how we train, and that's this, our coach. Our coach is hugely important. And I want to lift up Pastor Will right now. My brothers and my sisters, every time Pastor Will gets up here and preaches to us, I walk out of this sanctuary going, wow. What a word. What a incredible word. That he, and he didn't, no holds barred. I mean, he's preaching the word of God, unbending the way it needs to be. He is our coach. He guides us. He directs us. He keeps our eyes on the prize. He's the one who Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, now, He's been here for over seven years now. Is that right? Will's been here over seven years. I want you to think about this for a second. Could you, and I hope he's here for a long time, but could you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday present the word of God the way Will does for us? Oh, man, every time I hear him, I just, Jesus, thank you. And he's our coach. He brings the word of God to us in such a way that encourages us and builds us up. We are the best kept secret ever. 
And everybody who, many of you have just started coming to this fellowship and, and this family. And as God has brought you here, um, you know, he, you come because God, this is where you get it. This is your coaching. This is keeping, helping keep our eyes on the prize, his pastor will. And so we, as a family, need just to be lifting him up because do you think that sometimes he gets weary Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you know, coming and presenting the word of God? Fortunately, I was able, as a brand new Christian, to sit under a pastor that spent his most all the years, probably 25 years of his life at one church and just was in such an encourager and changed my life in, a, in vital ways. And my wife and I, uh, once a month after Sunday, church was over, we'd go out with the pastor and his wife with a, cu- a number of other couples and we'd go and he would talk to us about, okay, if God is calling you into ministry, what's the most effective way that you can lift up people in baptism? Not just a dunking, but really letting and helping them to know that a new life in Christ, you're being reborn. The old self is being washed away and you're being raised to new life. How to do weddings, how to do funerals, how to encourage people through all things. And I'll never forget that about him. Absolutely incredible. He was my coach, my first coach. And yet many have come after that too. So we need to know how to prepare. So one last thing. Number one, yes, self-training is important. Number two, training with others. Connecting with others is key. And number three is that special coach who guides you and directs you. And, you know, we were talking um, about sports at Bradshaw Mountain High School. And I fortunately have gotten to know some of the coaches. And you know this as well as I do, that in life, you have really good teachers and you have not so good teachers. And your hope is that whoever teaches you in that classroom is going to be one who will encourage you and spur you on. Well, the same is true with coaching. If you don't have the right coach, your team dwindles. And you might exist, but there's something missing. So coaching is hugely important. So God has called Will to be our pastor. And by the way, there's a passage of scripture. Too much is given, much will be required. Think about Will right now. He has given him to us. That's a huge calling, and much will be required of him. So we need to pray for our coach. We need to pray for our pastor. We need to lift Pastor Will up in a very special way. Another passage of scripture, and this one, we all need to be aware of. Galatians 5, 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You were running a great race. Who cut in on you? 
and kept you from obeying the truth. Our young people, we, last Sunday, there was probably close to 25 of you over here. I know they're all here, there, and everywhere. But I know, Corey, you know as a youth pastor how easy it is for other people to cut in on your young people and mess their lives up. But that can happen to any one of us. So the question becomes is what things can happen that can cut in on our Christian walk? Can you think of things? Let me go to the next slide here. Hindrances to running. Hindrances to running our walk with Jesus Christ. What are some things that can just mess us up? Can you think? What it? Finances. What? Impatience. Yes. Problems with health. People. Yeah. Lack of faith. I mean, there there are a ton of things out there that can do that. I want you to think about this for a second. I have a, a bottle of water here. Um, how much do you think this kind of weighs, if you were to guess? How much? Half, like what, eight ounces? What else? With somebody else? A pound? I don't think... Maybe two pounds at the most. 16 ounces. Oh, but here's my point. And, and don't misunderstand me. I did not come up with this. I saw this, but it was so cool. I had to present it. If this weight of this water, and I held it for just, say, you know, during the time that I'm presenting this sermon, I probably wouldn't think much about it, would I? But if I held this bottle of water for, say, three or four hours, what would begin to happen to me? The weight hasn't changed, but my arm is beginning to feel tired. tired. And my thoughts are going away from what I want to say to all of you, thinking about, wow, this is getting a little heavy. The weight hasn't changed, but it's starting to get... My arm's cramping up. What if I held this for, say, 12 hours? My arm, I wouldn't even be able to think about sharing with you guys important things about Jesus Christ. I'd be thinking about the weight of this water, but it hasn't changed, but it occupies my mind. It's got a hold of me. And in life, if we allow things, you know, if, if a tragedy happens or, or finances or division or whatever, if, if we think about it for a short time, it doesn't control us. If we hold on to it for a few hours, you know, we're thinking, hey, you know, I, I need to put it down. If it holds on to us for days, our thought pattern changes and we can actually lose out in our love of Jesus Christ. And the answer is to our problems, put it down.
rid of it. So we have a choice here in training. In training to run or playing football or baseball, whatever our sport is, it inflicts pain on us. But I always told my athletes, the pain is temporary. The pain is temporary. In life, in your walk with Jesus, as you surround yourself with others, things are going to happen. Pain is going to grip you sometimes, but it's temporary. Because we have a Lord and a Savior who coaches us and guides us and helps us fight against the hindrances that come against us. Another passage of scripture, Philippians 3.14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. I press on. When I was coaching full-time, I always told my athletes, my runners, Keep your eye on the finish line. Keep your eye on the finish line. I said, if your eye is off the finish line, you tend to lose out. You tend to become, you begin to think about, oh, I'm tired, or oh, the pain, or oh, the, keep your eye on the finish line. For us, walking with Jesus Christ, our finish line is eternity with him. Yesterday, we had a memorial service for Mary. And those of you who knew Mary, I'm, I'm telling you, it was a blessing. It was, it was a going home. But those of us who were here just were blessed by hearing people talk about Mary's life and her walk with the Lord. And, and she was that A-type personality, but she would have said to each and every one of us, Quit screwing around and focus on the love of Jesus. That's how she would be. And she's with our Lord, and she has gained the prize. So here's what I mean. I press on to reach the end of the race. A lot of my runners, and maybe you've experienced this too, they would run, they would sprint, 100-meter runner. And for some reason, because I'm at the finish line and I'm keeping their time, about five meters before the finish line, they'd let up. Even if they were winning, and I would have to speak to them, you run through the finish line. You run through it. You press on. And with our walk with Jesus, we now know It takes self-training. It takes training with others to help build us up. And it takes a great coach. And that coach is going to tell you always focus on the finish. Focus on the finish line. Pressing toward the goal. I'm a firm believer that we should set goals in our lives. But listen to what I'm going to tell you here. This is going to be really important. Don't set a goal that's so far out there, you can't reach it. Set yourself a goal that challenges you, but when you reach it, then you can set a new goal. Walking with Jesus 
in all of our life. It's not he who begins the race, but he who finishes the race. Set a goal. Reach that goal. Do you guys all know what Pastor Will's going to start preaching on here in a couple of weeks? The book of John. I'm so looking forward to it. If you are one who loves walking through the word of God, I, I can't, I'm just so excited. I'm thrilled that Pastor Will is going to be presenting the gospel of John to us. What a great, matter of fact, somebody told me when I became a brand new Christian, I said, what do I do? And, and that individual said, the first thing you should do is read the gospel of John. Anybody else get told that when you became a brand new Christian? Read the Gospel of John. And I did. And what a life-changing experience. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, it just changed me forever. Pressing on toward the goal. And I want to close with this passage. I have fought the good fight. By the way, Pastor Will shared. I didn't know he was going to do, use this passage of scripture with Mary yesterday, but he did. And I thought, no, this is cool. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. If your life with Jesus Christ has been a battle, then I want to challenge you to do this. Sam, as the worship team comes, I want you to be challenged, number one, to truly begin to understand there's a self-discipline in walking with Jesus. But know that that is not the end of it all. You need to walk with others. You need others who love Jesus Christ that are gonna walk with you. That can be, for, for example, we do a game night on Wednesday night here. I'm not, I'm promoting it. You know, it's fun, but it's that fellowship because we talk about why we're playing a game. We might talk about Jesus or we might talk about how we can be a better player. We have women Bible studies that go on in the life of this church. My wife goes to one on Wednesday morning. Linda's is on Mondays, I believe, Sandy. Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday. Monday night and Tuesday morning. Thank you. Uh, Josh, raise your hand back there, Josh. Thursday mornings, Josh has an incredible Bible study here at the church. Josh White, who's going to be preaching next Sunday. I'm so excited for him. He does, every other week, he does a ministry here in the life of the church. Pastor Will, besides Sunday mornings, is going to be doing a thing on Sunday nights, you know, to come. He also, you guys may not know this, but Pastor Will meets with a group of young people too, helping to disciple them, bring them along. He's our coach. We are so blessed. And we trust him. We have to trust him. To whom much is given, much will be required. And he knows that. Guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, walking with Jesus to gain the prize. Paul, it was Paul that did this, not me. He said, the be- one of the best illustrations I can share with you is think of a race, how you self-train, how you train with others, 
how you have a great coach. Can you imagine in closing Paul walking down the Roman road with guys like James, Titus, Timothy, Luke, and as they're walking down the road to the next city that they were going to, Paul would be saying, hey guys, Luke, when we get there, I I want you to kind of be available for people who are sick, physically, and they need that special touch from a doctor. James, I know your heart, brother. This is my goal for you, is I want you to really be prepared to minister to people who are hurting psychologically, who are hurting because of poverty or whatever. Titus, I want you to do And it was a plan. And it was Paul that talked to us about running the race, keeping our eyes on the goal, and that all who call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior will in, in the end inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for just working through all of us together as a family. Father, I can't stress that enough. And as a family, we are concerned for one another. We want to lift up one another. We want to encourage one another. Father, let our eyes and our ears and our speech always be that of visually helping and seeing and uplifting. Because of that, Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon us through our pastor, through the body and the fellowship of the Ridge. And Father, again, as we leave this church today, Father, may we all leave here saying it was great to be in the house of the Lord. I thank you, Jesus.